to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog owners. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm Rachel Harris. I'm a certified professional dog trainer, and I hope to give you a fresh outlook on your dog's behavior and practical dog training advice. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I have two spectacular guests. Um, these are the ladies who own and run VetCS, which is the CBD company that you guys have heard me talk about a lot. They were actually on the podcast. They were one of like the very first episodes of the podcast. I think it was like episode number five. So that's a super informative episode where we go into a lot of details about what CBD is, what it isn't. But tonight, I really want to talk about how CBD being unregulated shares a lot of the same bullshit drama that we deal with in the dog training world. Okay, so um, Trish, Chelsea, do you guys wanna go ahead and introduce yourselves for the listeners? Just tell them a little bit about who you are, what you do. Sure, so my name is Trish Wilhelm. I'm a certified veterinary technician. I'm a certified veterinary cannabis counselor and one of the co-founders of VetCS. I primarily deal with pet parents through VetCS on a daily basis, giving them uh, guided cannabis consultations throughout the day, helping you guys with dosing, um, conditions, what you're looking to accomplish with CBD therapy, and really try to coach you through the process so you feel confident in a safe and effective CBD therapy plan for your pets. You're an expert guide. I love it Boom. so freaking much. Okay, <laughs> Chelsea, tell, tell the listeners about yourself. Yeah, um, my name is Chelsea Ludke. I'm a veterinarian uh, graduate of Colorado State University's program in t- 2011, and I'm a practicing veterinarian and co-founder and CEO of VetCS. Um, and my interest in cannabinoids peaked um, probably three or four years ago, actually now, when I had a couple of difficult cases that were not responding to traditional medicine and I had to reach for, um, or really clients pushed me towards the cannabis side of things. And I was really impressed with the results we saw in those cases. So I've continued the research um, and been, so have been super satisfied finding formulations for VetCS and just bringing those to pet parents. Well, and that's so cool, Chelsea, right? That you have the opportunity to like see it work in your everyday practice, right? And like, you know, working with animals. So for everyone, she works with horses primarily. um, And that's a giant animal. And there's a lot of expense around like medicine in horses. And if we can find this like other alternative help for them, like what a beautiful way to serve your clients and their horses. Yes, I think there's, especially in the horse industry, we don't have a lot of FDA approved products. And so we're, we are constantly reaching for alternative medicine and supplements. And, and sometimes it just gets really uh, confusing to find something that works for, for horses. And, and luckily we've been able to make it more cost-effective recently um, with doing CBD in horses. So it's kind of neat. Yeah, that is awesome. Okay, so um, I, I want to talk about a blog post that you all recently released called Is CBD Oil Snake Oil, right? <laughs> and I think that this is such not only a catchy uh, blog post title, but also there's so much to unpack there. So Trish, do you want to talk about um, 
the regulations, right, or lack thereof in CBD, uh, just kind of giving the listeners an idea of like how much variation there can be in product with, you know, CBD on the label. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Unfortunately, at this time, it's a highly unregulated market. So there is no true governing body saying, hey, CBD company, you have to put this part on your label, you have to put this ingredient list, um, you know, making it accurate, making it true. So there really is no regulation in that area. And when Dr. Ludke and I first got started, that's really one of the giant holes that we had a problem with when we were kind of, you know, sifting through the market and looking for quality products. And so we really wanted to fill that hole in putting, you know, proper concentrations on a label saying what's exactly in that bottle um, and it being true to the fact. And the problem that you run into is because there is no regulation there, companies technically don't have to be testing um, what's in that bottle. So that they don't have to do any testing no they're not regulated or they don't have to do anything so really it's up to the company and their due diligence to invest in that aspect and it is expensive to do so a lot of them choose not to and they don't care you know what the levels are if they're accurate and not only that but you know, there's harmful things that can end up in formulations that can be harmful to pets. So um, testing is extremely important. And so it's important to us to provide our pet parents with all of that information and invest in that in a company. So uh, we actually um, test every single batch that comes through for every single product. And we match lot numbers on our products to their actual page on our website. So Pet parents, when they get our bottles in the mail, they can look up that number, they can click on it, and they can see all of that safety testing on there. It tests for potency levels. It matches what's exactly on our labels. Um, All of our ingredients that are sourced are, you know, natural, high quality ingredients that are the safest option. So my word of advice is to shop cautiously because, um, you know, it, it is kind of the Wild West out there. And Dr. Lukey and myself have kind of an inside, <laughs> an inside joke that, you know, friends don't let friends buy CBD on Amazon um, because <laughs> they really can put hemp extract, you know, this many milligrams on the label. And if you truly look at it or test it, which we have done, uh, there's no CBD in it at all, or it's made out of solely hemp seed oil, which doesn't carry any cannabinoids. So it's very crazy, unfortunately, very hard for pet parents. Um, So we're here to, you know, help educate and coach people and help you guys navigate through those waters because it's weird and scary and, (laughs) you know, um, and a hard thing to deal with. So, yeah, and it really is. So for everyone listening, if you are in the U.S., I think that there there are some regulations as far as like as being a Colorado company where you can ship. Is that right? Yeah. So basically because of the 2018 farm bill, um, CBD cannabinoids were deemed federally legal. However, people have to keep in mind that with cannabis, there are state regulations as well. And sometimes those state regulations can trickle down to counties even too. So um, it's important to pay attention to those. However, 
you know, along with that, there's still a lot of gray area in those guidelines and how they're written. Um, so really, you know, a lot of times the medical marijuana side is paying a lot of attention to those too, but the CBD market is kind of um, a little more open than it used to be, I guess. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so most people in the United States can get your products. Yes. Yes. Good. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, Chelsea, I want to hear from you on this because I know that you guys have done a lot of collaborations with local farmers, right? Which I think is not necessarily the norm in the industry. So do you want to speak to that just a little bit? Yeah, we um, are super proud actually to be um, all Colorado grown hemp and it's organically farmed. Uh, so another regulation is, is USDA does not deem hemp uh, an organic label. So we organically farm it, but we can't be quote unquote organic labeling as many companies do. Um, but importantly, it's still quality grown and, um, and obviously tested at several time points and no pesticides, things like that are used on our farms. Um, we do, what we ran into in the early stages of our company was that we could get batches of hemp from Oregon and Kentucky and states that also have nice like cultivation techniques, but then they would mix all these batches together and, and really in, in all support of the farmers, it's easier to, to have a huge batch and process it than it is to have smaller batches. Sometimes you get one, one farm that's a little bit hotter on THC and you need to cool it down. But our whole goal is we needed to find farmers that would work only with us and we knew where it was coming from and we knew the condition. So that has been a huge game changer because from year to year, you, you're using the same genetics. This is a plant-based material. We get variations. Um, but if you're using similar genetics and growing conditions, you can really kind of narrow that down so that when each bottle we sell, it's not a different effect every time you give it to your pet. Um, you can pretty much ex- expect the, the similar quality in all ingredients. Right. Which is so cool. And I think that, I think for everyone listening, it's really important that we're thinking about what else could be in that like $30 bottle of CBD for your pets right? Because pesticides and I'm sure all kinds of other foul stuff makes it way its way in there. And that's, that's not serving the purpose we want it to for our pets at all. Oh my God. Okay. So, um, so for everyone listening, as you can tell, Trish and Chelsea go above and freaking beyond in their products. Right. And, and it reflects, right. You, you can see the, the dosing on everything. You could talk to Trish on the phone. She'll be delightful and cheery and she'll tell you everything you need to know. So um, if you can't already tell, I love the ladies behind VetCS and I think you should absolutely support them in their products. But I want to talk about what CBD can and can't be used for. So Trish, I got a specific question from one of my followers on Instagram asking, what is the age, the youngest mm-hmm. age in which you could give CBD? So do you want to, I want you to answer that. I think that you can kind of give your, your typical answer to someone asking this question, but also go into like what we know maybe scientifically about that or don't know for that matter. Absolutely. That's a super common question. Um, I get it very often and people calling and asking and um, really, you know, CBD is metabolized, we know through P450 liver enzymes. So we really pay attention to um, the age of the dog and is their liver, first of all, um, developed enough, you know, to even handle cannabinoids. Um, 
past that, we actually don't recommend using it in dogs um, any much younger than a year old. Um, the first year of life is extremely, um, you know, crazy and, and, and puppies can go through so many different stages. And um, I really think that CBD is not the sole option for those different stages. I think, you know, a lot of times people are concerned with, oh, my puppy is so crazy. Can I use CBD for anxiety? I think it has anxiety and it's really, you know, no, your puppy is being a puppy. Um, <laughs> let's introduce some exercise. Let's introduce some enrichment activities, toys, walks. Like there's so many different things that we can be doing. Um, so typically when I get those phone calls, I encourage pet parents to seek a veterinary behaviorist. If it's a specific issue, if it's overall puppy training, find a positive reinforcement dog trainer. We recommend them all the time. Um, once they get past a year, if you're finding that that is a learned behavior now and you do want to introduce CBD therapy, I think it can be used as a great tool during the training process. So it really helps, you know, the dogs be more malleable to the process. They can receive the information better. Um, and it really helps them just kind of take that deep breath we wish we could tell them to take. But in the puppy stage, we don't think that's necessary right away. There's so many other modalities, so many other tools that we can use to help them along the way, um, you know, to, to, make, to make their lives successful, so. Oh my God. Yeah. And you know, adolescent dogs are just a pain in the ass just by nature. That doesn't yeah. mean we need to give them CBD. Right? <laughs> like... Exactly. Exactly. There's so many other fun things that we can be doing to, you know, to, to tire their minds and, and put them at ease. So um, I usually, you know, recommend that route for people and tell them to call me in a year. <laughs> oh my God. Right. <laughs> like we're here for you resolved. in the future, but for now you probably don't need us. And like, I think that that just speaks so much to like the authenticity that is vet CS, right? Like mm -hmm. you're not pushing a product to a young puppy that they don't need. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and I think that I have so much respect and admiration for how you guys show up in your business, because I know that there's a lot of companies that don't follow that same moral code. Right. And which <laughs> makes it hard. And, but that's what we're here for is the education standpoint and just giving people the information um, from a scientific standpoint. I mean, we, we, we know that there's really no research in that area right now. So we don't feel comfortable, you know, telling you things yes or no, because um, it hasn't been scientifically proven yet. And, you know, especially in pregnant or lactating animals, uh, we don't have research in that area too. So we always caution people, uh, you know, with those animals too. So we'll, we'll always be straight up with you <laughs> and tell you the truth. That's for sure. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So um, Chelsea, I, I want to hear where we're at as far as like, I don't know, definitive peer reviewed data on CBD and like, I guess, whatever species, is there anything peer reviewed right now? Um, yeah, actually there's a fair amount. So we're just in the last two years, it's been a good surge after that 2018 farm bill came out, then larger universities could start studying and publishing this a lot easier. And so we actually have seven, uh, CBD papers in osteoarthritis and dogs. Uh, there's three or four more that are just safety only. Some of those were combined. They were efficacy and safety together. Some a handful were done really well and then a few that aren't, but they're still valuable in, in some of the data they have. So what's, um, what's mostly been very positive is that 
we have good safety margins and we know that in, in dogs, there are some instances of diarrhea from oil-based preparations. And that happens, especially with um, dogs with pancreatitis, chronic pancreatitis or any sensitivity to oil. And so what we recommend in those is going to a high potency CBD oil, like we have a 2000 milligram bottle. So every milliliter carries 66 milligrams. So on a large dog, you're not giving multiple mils of a product versus if you bought a 300 milligram bottle and had to give four dropper fulls to get the same effect. Uh, so that's kind of one of the things that we've seen throughout separate, several papers, but we are getting great absorption. Uh, it looks like it's a CBD as oil, especially is absorbed better when in a fed state. So if the dogs have just eaten, um, we try to get kind of oral transmucosal absorption, meaning the oil goes through the gums, um, but that can still be in a dog that's being fed. Like we have great results with just putting the oil right on food um, and they do well with that and absorb it well. The um, <clears throat> cat, excuse me, um, the cat research is still delayed, but it's happening. It's ongoing right now. It just hasn't been published. Uh, and then we actually have provided the product for a big horse study um, at a major university, which will be published later this year. Uh, and so we're super excited for that to get um, the safety data from all of that. So there are actually quite a bit of um, research studies in dogs now. Then when you go back into all of the other species, there's hundreds and hundreds of papers on CBD effect as an anxiolytic, um, and then obviously osteoarthritis and a host of different conditions, all, all really based on inflammatory conditions really outside of anxiety. So we, there's a ton of research out there. You just have to kind of dig deep still to find it. And we, on our website, we constantly update that and add new papers, things that are relevant to try to help pet parents see those. Cause it is hard to find papers and, and critically review them. So. Right. Okay. So as, as far as the arthritis is concerned, can you kind of just highlight like what the outcomes were as far as with the addition of CBD? Yeah. So we, um, unfortunately, some of these have been done on um, review type or owner reported type um, improvement. And so scientifically, it, it's not as strong as if the dogs have actually been examined um, in a controlled setting, but that's kind of where we're at with, um, you know, not having research dogs doing this and things like that. But owner reporting, depending on the study, there are several centers that have done it are very, very positive in the realm of like 70 to 80% improvement um, in these pets that are on it for osteoarthritis. And um, generally the selection data has been good in that they don't have multiple diseases going on or you know complications, um, but it has been mostly owner reported. So positive effects, but it would still be nice to see a controlled study as well. Right, and I think it's important for everyone listening to understand like the, challenge and the effort that it takes to build a study where it's actually controlled, right? Yeah. Like getting the sample size large enough, making sure that there's no errors, there's no additions of other things. Like that's not an easy feat as far as like getting definitive data and like a controlled setting like that. Yeah. Well, and it is hard because you, I've done a lot of equine research and been involved in orthopedic uh, research design, basically study design. And for dogs, the really you're inciting an arthritis in a joint and a healthy dog and you're for numbers needing 12 to 18 dogs and you're needing to only give half of those CBD treatment, the rest are a control. 
And so, and it's just hard, you know, as a researcher, you, you kind of have to do that stuff, but you're clinically inducing bad arthritis by injecting, you know, a known toxin into a joint of a healthy dog. So it's also good when you can get, you know, weighty uh, information from the research without causing harm in dogs. So I think, I think we're on the right path and I'm sure that, you know, the type of study will come up. Um, but as a animal lover, it still kind of makes you hurt to think that to get our results that we want to see, it is, it is obviously difficult to get. Yeah. Okay. So just out of curiosity, has there been any research in like rats or mice? Yeah, there's a ton of urine studies. So, um, different cell types they'll have, um, there was a knockout that I really liked, but they have knockout mice, obviously in, in research, mice are a huge model for a lot of things. Um, but in knockout mice, their immunity can be enhanced by giving CBD. Um, there's even certain cancer types that, um, you can actually influence by giving cannabinoids. So it's, it's kind of neat. There's a lot of that research out there on, of course, because it's a drug target, right. In the future. And everybody's looking for a synthetic receptor, cannabinoid receptor that you can influence. So that means there's a ton of research into the cannabinoid receptors in the endocannabinoid system. Um, so everybody's trying to scratch the surface of it and see, see what happens, but it's kind of nice that we have a plant-based option instead of synthetic to at least use for our pets. Yeah, that's amazing. So there's a lot of promising research, right? But it, with everything, it takes time, right? Like, you know, it takes time to build up those studies. So, um, do you want to talk just a little bit about how you guys contributed to, um, the equine study? Yes. Um, I can't say a ton, but we, okay. <laughs> we, used, we, we used one of our products, um, and it's a study with 12 horses. So it's a good amount. Um, and we did six weeks of dosing. So, and they were high doses, um, and that will be published, but basically controlling, um, controlling what other, they were not on any other medications. They were healthy horses watching for their vital signs, making sure that there was no, um, adverse events essentially. And we didn't have any of those, but then checking blood work and in the future that will roll into an efficacy study where, you know, we use lame horses and we try, we gauge the response to therapy. But for right now we were getting blood samples for pharmacokinetics and then safety just to show that at varying doses, horses do well on, on those, those doses of CBD. Oh my God. That's so exciting. Right. Like how cool to be able to contribute, right? Like you might as well, you have the horses, you have the product, like let's do this. It was (laughs) awesome. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So, um, I had a, a follower question. I'm asking, is there a cumulative effect to CBD? So yes. Um, there's, I guess I'll go about this in two ways. Um, we, the reason a lot of times we've designed our especially for joint pain and mobility issues in dogs designed our dosing is to go at a two milligram per kilogram initial dose. And that's assuming that the dog is having some pain in an area that's not controlled. So what we know about osteoarthritis is that there's inflammatory um, cytokines and all these proteins that are floating around in their joints and, and elsewhere in their body that's causing inflammation and pain. We go at a higher dose the first week or two, because that helps bring that amount of information down. And then they're more to a maintenance level of dosing. Um, That kind of explains, and that might be more of the question, what it's going after. However, in our pharmacokinetic studies, and there hasn't been, I'm trying to 
think quickly, there has not been a specific study showing repeated doses in pharmacokinetics. Generally what you're doing is taking pharmacokinetics after 24 hours of dosing. And that's so a single dose that will morph into in the future, multiple doses at a time. But in our experience with pharmacokinetics, it does not seem to accumulate, meaning that the serum levels increase day over day at the same dose. The one thing I will speak to is there are animals and humans, um, the cannabinoid receptors will develop a tolerance. So it's just, if you think about cannabis recreational in alcohol, other things like that, that the liver breaks down at that P450 cytochrome, your body actually induces the cytochromes to work better. And so then your tolerance is higher. So if you've got a pet that is say had done really well on a CBD preparation for five to six months, and then all of a sudden it doesn't seem like it's working as well. Sometimes we will back off that dosing for three to five days. Um, not completely off necessarily, but, but definitely take them down by at least half of their dose. Um, some dogs, the full dose, and then put them back on it. And you'll actually see a pretty good, pretty good change there. So it just helps essentially, essentially to get those receptors active again, um, and not building up a tolerance. I would say that's only in a, a minority of patients, um, probably less than a quarter of our pets, um, that we actually see an effect we've had we've had dogs and cats and horses actually on it for, you know, 18 months and they're still getting the same benefit, um, reported by their owners. So I think it's something to consider, especially if you noticed a big benefit in the beginning is you can just pace them off of it for a while and then put them right back on. Yeah. And like, obviously this is just my, you know, anecdotal experience, but, um, you know, Tiva, our, our gal, she's 13 and a half. She's still in great sh shape. We're still hiking a lot. Um, and I give her CBD pretty regularly. Right. And it continues to have the same effect. I don't, I don't give it to her every day. I usually just give it to her on hiking days. So I don't know like what that looks like, you know, as far as like, maybe she's not getting a tolerance for it because she's not getting it every single day. But I guess it, it boils down to there is value in long-term use, but maybe like every single day we run the risk of maybe there's a bit of a tolerance. We're not getting the same outcome. Is that right? Yeah. And I think it all depends on severity. So if you've got this, you know, say a dog that has elbow dysplasia in both fronts and you just can't get around without it. No, you, I mean, you have to probably dose Rimadyl and, and CBD and gabapentin, and you've got to combine all these things with multimodal approach, but it might be that if you're noticing they're still painful in six months, you know, they've, or they've gotten much more comfortable and all of a sudden they take a dip, then that's where I would add that um, we call it a washout period, but give them a few days off and then put it back in the mix. Um, other non-steroidals don't tend to do that, but, um, for sure, just like alcohol and humans, like you build a tolerance for it, but it, I wouldn't say that that's very common because we're not using super high doses. Um, but that's somewhat to that question of accumulation, if it changes it. So. Right. And for everyone listening, that's why um, Trish is so valuable because she can literally talk you through all of this, right? The dosing, she can help you understand all of those details. So I think that something that's really unique to you guys is that you're not just like selling someone a bottle of CBD and just like, okay, good luck, right? Like you're giving them a custom plan of like, this is how you can use it to get the best benefit for your pet. So Trish, do you want to speak just a little bit more to that? 
Sure. Yeah. I think, you know, it's also something to be said too, that, you know, we're always happy to talk with your normal veterinarian as well. If they're not as informed um, with CBD therapy, or they're not as familiar, or they're not comfortable talking about it in general, um, you know, we can keep them as involved or not as involved that they want to be. So we're always happy to um, you know, talk with you guys about concurrent medications over the phone, but then also offer to keep your vet in the loop if, if, if they would like to be too. So, you know, when you call in, most of the time it's me answering the phone um, and you can kind of hash through the details with me. I'm happy to chat through um, your dog's needs, what you're looking to accomplish, uh, answer general questions. Um, CBD is new to a lot of people. So um, really helping you guys feel comfortable and in the choice and, and the plan moving forward and hopefully, you know, be able to help your pets in the process. That's what we're here for. And she's just going to be cheery and you're just going to feel yeah. good to talk to her because that's just, we're going to have fun. Yeah. It's going to be great. Oh my God. Okay. So <laughs> as far as is like studies are concerned, is there anything specific to anxiety in different species? Uh, definitely in other species. Yeah. Even in humans, it's a, I mean, what we call a potent anxiolytic. So there, um, we haven't seen any peer reviewed canine ones to my knowledge. It's, it's hard to run a behavior study obviously with animals. Um, but I do anecdotally, we have a ton of experience with anxiety and it is wonderful for that. Um, and the cool thing about it is the dosing actually can be pretty low for anxiety. And so, um, our, probably our favorite application is for noise phobia. So thunderstorms, fireworks, um, just your day-to-day kind of like jumpy type dogs. Um, but it can definitely work for in combination with other um, therapies uh, for separation anxiety and other types of anxiety. Um, car rides, that's a big one that tends to help dogs that get really worked up to the point of vomiting. Um, we've had a lot of success with 30 minutes before, if you know you have a planned long drive or something you know, to the vet or something where they get very nervous, you give them CBD 30 minutes before um, the anticipated event or travel and they can, they can do really well and calm down so much that they don't, it's not necessarily the vomiting that's the issue, it's the workup before it, um, where they're really anxious enough to make themselves sick. Um, it makes it a lot more enjoyable for, for the humans and the pets. <laughs> oh my God, so much more helpful. And you know, it's like, I think it's one of those things that like, if your dog is afraid of noises and you can control when those happen, what a beautiful addition, right? To be able to use the CBD, right? And for everyone listening, I want to encourage you, if you have a dog who has severe noise phobia, hey, get it, get in contact with a veterinary behaviorist. And I'm sure they can help guide you as to what's going to help. And I'm sure CBD could be a part of that. But I think it's important just to note that there's, there's definitely a spectrum of, of noise phobias. And if your dog is like completely shutting down, you probably need more support than just the addition of CBD into their daily routine. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, okay. So so anxiety, arthritis, what are some other things that you guys are seeing pretty awesome effects as far as like CBD being an improvement to the quality of the animal's life? Uh, we've been, I mean, so as an anti-seizure um, option, we've been very happy with it. It does require a higher dosing, usually usually the higher dose, like two to three milligram per kilogram dose. But we actually had, um, I, I remember one of, our first, um, expos that we did, a lady had tried CBD 
And so she, for whatever reason, she came and talked to us, but she was like, oh, I've already tried it. It's, it's not helping. And so I started asking her, like, okay, how much does your dog weigh? It was a boxer. Okay. How much are you giving in of CBD? And she didn't, of course, it's hard to remember what exactly is on the bottle and how much per dropper ended up. She was giving five milligrams to a 60 pound boxer. And so I worked through the math with her and this boxer was having focal seizures all like literally eight to 10 times a day. And it was just, it was in, um, part of the masseter and facial muscles. And so and it was one-sided It was a young dog and she had tried a bunch of other like Keppra, Phenobarb, all these other things that obviously cause a lot of negative side effects if they're not um, dosed properly and, and monitored by blood work. And we, we got her and I kind of explained, okay, well, your dog is taking an eighth of an Advil when it needs a full, if, if it was a human and needs a full two tabs, like you got to try this. So she, she am taking home and literally within the proper dosing, like we, she regularly checks in, but I mean, that dog doesn't have any sort of focal seizures and it's been, I think that's been 18 months ago. So if you get them on the proper dose, um, it's, it works great for seizures of epilepsy or juvenile type seizures. It can help in dogs that are aging and have actually like a cranial issue, but it can help decrease the frequency on those sorts of pets. But for epileptic juvenile seizures, it works amazing, which is the reason why there's actually an FDA approved CBD natural product is for juvenile seizures in, in children. Um, oh my and so, God, that's and, crazy. I had no idea. Yeah. For Dravet syndrome. Um, and there's one other, but it's, it's actually really well tolerated in kids. And that's where that whole, that Charlotte's web came from a high CBD, low THC mix is great for juvenile seizures. Um, so that's, that's another, obviously very, uh, fulfilling use of it, because if you can naturally make them more comfortable and, and take away seizures, it's, it's mm-hmm. amazing. Um, Without and then, garbage side effects, right. Of like well, yeah. the interventions, pharmaceutical yeah, interventions. Yeah. And that actually brings me a little bit back to that point right there just reminded me that earlier when we were talking about puppies, um, we have had a couple cases of um, puppies that have true seizure episodes that, you know, it's an actual specific condition. So we have used CBD therapy for them um, that their veterinarian was okay with pursuing first to try and see if it helped them. and it did. So we do have a couple puppies on our program that had true seizures that it actually helped, you know, um, helped them work through in the beginning. So, you know, there are instances, I forgot to put that in there earlier, that if it's a true specific condition, um, then we can use it in some instances there, but um, juvenile made me think of (laughs) back to, back to puppies from earlier. Right. Well, okay. So I think that this brings up a really good point. So obviously Chelsea, you are a veterinarian, but I I think that you guys have worked really hard to team and accompany treatment plans in conjunction with the dog's veterinarian or the pet's veterinarian. And I think that this is so important because I know that like CBD cookies are trendy on Instagram and like, you know, everyone thinks that it did this or that for their dog, but like you guys stick to science research and teaming with professionals to aid in that right you're not just selling a product without like that complementary factor right every day we try to (laughs) try to reach that (laughs) yeah yeah you guys are amazing okay so um i want to talk about is there anything that you don't suggest cbd for 
That's a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) I say that because, you know, we do know how CBD works uh, throughout the body through the endocannabinoid system and those receptors. Um, And I say it's a loaded question because we do know that those receptors are located all throughout the body. So I get that question all the time on the phone is, uh, Trish, why does it feel like a panacea? Why can I do anxiety, epilepsy, arthritis? Like (laughs) that's very strange, but it's actually, you know, because of that system that it does help so many different conditions and ailments. So, you know, I feel like there are instances where, you know, we don't in specific cases, maybe, um, you know, because of other concurrent meds, but not too often does that happen because we're able to tweak dosages to make it safe for animals. Um, We do know that with gabapentin specifically, um, you know, it has the potential to potentiate that gabapentin. So make it circulate for a little bit longer in the system Um, just because it's, it's, it's um, kind of processed through the exact same pathway as CBD. So CBD's whole goal is to create an equilibrium um, and homeostasis in the body. So when it does that, then an owner is going and giving another dose of the gabapentin the next day. Um, And it's kind of, you know, making them lethargic or not feeling well. So it's not really the CBD doing that per se. It's more um, too much gabapentin from, you know, a those trying to work together, if that makes sense. Um, so we caution pet parents about those types of instances and kind of coach them through dosing with those, with those specific medications and things. But um, most of the time when I get a phone call, unless it's, you know, outside of a behavior type issue or those types of things, um, most conditions, you know, if it has to do with inflammation, <laughs> um, we can help tackle that in some way. Um, if it has to do with anxiety, you know, we can be of help in some way. So um, it's a pretty narrow little field where we can't. So it's kind of, kind of cool. That is so amazing. Okay. So I, I want to just kind of hear what what the future of vet cs is but before i do that i want to just plug that y'all do have human products that i have used which are awesome right so not only can it help our pets but it can also help us and i i love how you guys have branched out to helping humans too we have a lot of pet parents calling in saying hey can i take my dog tincture and <laughs> was like, well, I mean, technically you could, but we feel like we shouldn't tell you to do that because it's labeled her pet. So we just decided to make our, (laughs) our own line for humans. And it's gone really great. And pet parents love having that option, you know, to take care of themselves in the process too, which is so important. You know, you have to take care of yourself to take care of your pets too. So, um, so we offer a couple different tinctures, uh, for people and flavored versions, capsules. We just came out with, um, kind of a menthol based, uh, topical cream. That's really nice. Yeah, that one's great. Um, I use it shameless plug, but I use it every day before bed on my lower back because I have issues with that. Um, but you know, that's, that's a nice option to have on there for pet parents too. Oh my God. Okay. So, um, Chelsea, do you want to speak just a little bit to like, obviously you guys have already helped contribute in some research. I imagine that is your hope for the future too. Obviously you're building a business, but I know that you guys are really invested in the research side of things too. Yes. So we will continue obviously providing product and working for um, this major university and hopefully get some efficacy studies and horses done 
Um, and then of course, we're always open and looking for other research avenues that we can be involved with. Um, just to, you know, the proof is in the pudding, the pudding. So you wanna get that out there. But um, the future for us is looking like 2021 is gonna be a lot of trace cannabinoids and changing profiles to get a specific effect. So we know that we can increase say CBN and help, you know, for, for sleeping. And that's pretty well shown in, in humans. Um, CBG can be really helpful even in cases of um, neoplasia or cancer or things like that. So our, we wanna start custom tailoring formulations more for, for pets uh, just to, just to see and get the most benefit out of it. We love CBD, but there's a lot more in the cannabis, cannabis plant that we can work with. And so um, getting in on the ground with that and researching different dosing and really getting, getting that out there and available to pet parents is our goal for this year. Oh my God. How exciting, right? To like know this and see it evolve and be able to like create products as you know more to serve your, your community. It's such a beautiful thing. Um, Trish, any, any final words on the future of BetCS? Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. I think we have so many cool things in the works and, you know, Dr. Ludke is always really forward thinking on new products. So we love putting out new products and, um, and honing in on specific conditions and things. And um, I'm just, I'm just excited for the future. I think we're just going to keep growing from here. And, you know, I think we do really well, because we genuinely care about your pets. So, you know, we're not just doing it to sell products, we're doing it to better pets lives every day and, um, and help you guys. So, I mean, that's what we thrive on. So, I love talking with pet parents every day and, um, you know, getting feedback from people. And that's what keeps us going is all the good news that comes out of it. So keeping on, keep on keeping on. Is that the, the term? Or <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Thank you so much. I know that this episode is going to be super informative and helpful for all of my listeners. So um, for everyone listening, um, you guys can check out VetCS, VetCS.com on Instagram. Is it at Vet underscore CS? Is that the handle on Instagram? Yes. Yep. Amazing. Okay. And for everyone listening, you can use code DisorderlyDogs for 10% off your first VetCS purchase. And guys, if you get some um, VetCS products for you or for your dogs, uh, take a picture and tag us over on Instagram so we can see you. Yeah. Chelsea, Trish, you are beautiful human beings and you're creating amazing products. Thank you for being with me. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks so Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to learn more about how you can connect with me for training, you can go to my website, agfdogtraining.com. If you'd like more training inspiration and insight, you can follow me on Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO. If you'd like to become a member and support the podcast, please check us out on Patreon. You can check us out at patreon.com slash disorderly dogs. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss out out on any future episodes. And if you really like this podcast and you want to go above and beyond for me, you could leave a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts to help more like-minded individuals find us.